Hey everyone, this is Brother Wayne Clemens. I just want to thank you for tuning in with us today and being part of the worship experience here at Potter's Hope. Also, I want to tell you that there's several different venues that you'll be able to get the message in the entirety if you'd like. They're either by podcast or either going to pottershope.com where you'll also be able to listen and watch uh, for any of those times. But also, I want to encourage you to be with us in person, 8.30 Central Time at Exit 124, right there at White Mills and the Eastview Exit right off the Western Kentucky Parkway. And then also on campus, Sunday mornings here at 135 Commerce Drive uh, at 10.30. Also, our Wednesday night services at 6.33. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. But anyway, God bless you. I hope this message just um, in this time of encouragement finds you doing awesome. Be encouraged and know that Jesus loves you. God bless. So thankful for our King. Amen. Thankful this morning that uh, by His blood we're able to get to the throne. It's nothing of our own. It's all by His blood. Amen. I'm so thankful for that. And this morning, if you have your Bibles, if you turn with me to 2 Samuel, 2 Samuel chapter 4. You know, preaching is uh, something that's very different, and Christina was asking me earlier this week of kind of how it goes, and it's funny because the Holy Spirit just kind of lays things on your heart, and speaks to you in different ways and this is a passage that I've I've preached before and struggled with my flesh on whether I was just preaching it because of how much I like it or if it was really the Holy Spirit and God that wanted me to preach it and I couldn't get away from it so I feel like that it's a word for somebody today thankful for these guys I feel like it's a word for somebody today, and if nothing else, it's preached to me all week. And I pray that the Holy Spirit will let it preach to you. So 2 Samuel chapter 4, and I'm going to be in verse 4. So Jonathan, Saul's son, had a son who was lame in his feet. He was five years old when the news about Saul and Jonathan came from Jezreel. And his nurse took him up and fled. And it happened as she made haste to flee that he fell and became lame. His name was Mephibosheth. And real quick to give you a background of what's taking place here is David is going to be king and Saul's armies have been defeated. And the thing that is most important here is Mephibosheth would have been in line to be heir to be the king. And we'll get to that later. But if you would bow your heads with me today, God, today I'm so thankful for you. and God, I'm thankful for this word that you put on my heart. And God, I'm thankful today that there's room at the table for every one of us today. And God, I pray today that you would be with each one of us, God, that we would open hearts and open minds to receive this word that you have for us. We love you and we thank you today. It's in your name we pray. Amen. As you're seated today, I want you to turn to your neighbor and say, where are you sitting? Where are you sitting? So as we just finished uh, Thanksgiving, uh, I think Dad showed it last week. For those of you that don't know, I'm Jake, uh, the guy that usually stands up here. 
is my dad. I'm so thankful for him, and uh, him and my mom got to uh, get away for a day or two, probably watching online uh, right now. I'm so thankful for them, but uh, this past year, of course, our family is growing today. I have a very special, I guess this will be our first time guest, but Miss Blake Ann Clemens, my daughter, is here for the first time, so so thankful for that. But my dad is a, he's a guy who loves the table. He loves to sit around the table. And some of my most fond memories are growing up with my brothers and sisters around the table. And it seemed like if we weren't laughing, we were eating. Um, it was just a place that I think we all enjoyed. It, it was around 6 or 6.30, it seemed like, every night. And I'm so thankful for that table. But as our family grew... Uh, Dad realized that our table needed to grow, so I think he showed a picture of that last week, and I'm thankful for that. But I'm thankful for this story, and this could be one of my favorite stories in the Bible from a man that maybe some of you know and some of you don't know. His name is Mephibosheth, and the thing that is awesome to me about this in a different way that I saw that this week when I was reading and studying was it's a real picture of the kingdom of God. It's a real picture of of how God wants us to reach out to others and show kindness, but most importantly, how he showed kindness to us. In the first point today, Mephibosheth was the son of Jonathan and the grandson of Saul. So back in those days, after a king was defeated, what they wanted to do was wipe out all the heirs to that king so that there was never an uprising that would take place. And so this guy, Mephibosheth, would be down the line and This nurse knew that, hey, these people are going to be coming after Mephibosheth, and he's five years old. They're going to be coming after him next. I've got to save him. I've got to do something. And so what did she do? The Word tells us that she picked him up, and she took off running. And I'm not sure what happened. Maybe it was on her way out. Maybe she tripped in a a little hole or a ditch or something, but she dropped him, and then he was lame on his feet. And the most important thing about this is back in those times, if you were lame or disabled, especially in in any kind of royalty or royal family, they didn't want you to be a part of anything of the royal family at that time because it showed weakness. It showed something inferior, and they didn't want that to be shown. And the thing was is that after this, years later, if you'll turn with me to 2 Samuel chapter 9, So what happens with Mephibosheth here is he he becomes lame in his feet. And what do they do? They wanted to lock him away. So he ends up in a place far away. Chapter 9, verse 1 says, Now David said, Is there still anyone who is left of the house of Saul that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? And the thing that is important here is David and Jonathan were close, and they had made a pact that if anything happens, I'll take care of your family, you take care of mine. And so years later, David is coming back on this promise. And verse 2 says, And there was a servant of the house of Saul whose name was Ziba. So when they called to him, to David, and the king said, Are you Ziba? And he said, Here, at your service. then the king said, Is there still not someone of the house of Saul to whom I may show kindness of God? And Ziba said to the king, There is still a son of Jonathan who is lame in his feet. 
And I want to make note first, things first, is number one, if you're taking notes, who dropped you? And this is something so important in your life is a lot of times we grow up in church and a lot of times maybe you didn't grow up in church, but the one thing that is important is to look back and see if there's something that has marked your life that's keeping you from God. Because a lot of times there might be people who get hurt in church, there might be people who get hurt in their family and that keeps them from really getting to the place where God wants them to be. And one of the most important things that we have to do is give forgiveness The Bible gives some strong warnings about having unforgiveness in our heart. The most important thing that you want to do is forgive that person. It wasn't this nurse's fault that she dropped him. It wasn't her fault that maybe something happened and then he became lame in his feet. That wasn't her intention. And maybe you're here today and you've been hurt. It wasn't God's intention maybe for that to happen. It wasn't that person's intention for that to happen to you but there's something special about to happen. The thing that he had been identified as was he was lame in his feet. And this put him in a place where I don't think he ever wanted to be. This put him at a place far from the king's palace. And if you think about this, I wonder how many times maybe he sat in his room and thought, man, I should be heir to the king. I should be in the king's palace. I am of royal family. Verse 4 says, So the king said to him, Where is he? And Ziba said to the king, Indeed, he is in the house of Makar, the son of Amil, in Lodabar. I want you to say that, Lodabar. The word Lodabar actually means place of desolation or place of isolation. And number two, I want you to write this down. Are you stuck in Lodabar? Because one of the things that we've seen happen so much over the past year is that the enemy has used isolation. Quarantine has become isolation, right? I always thought I wanted like two weeks at home just doing nothing. But how many of you figured out those two weeks at home turned into like jail cell? You're like, gosh, if I could just get out of this house. I remember when back, I guess it was last year, and I had the virus. I just wanted to get in my truck. So I got in my truck and just drove around for a little while. And I felt like I was leaving jail. It's crazy. But what the enemy wants to do is isolate you. And what the enemy did with Mephibosheth is took him to a place way away from the king, way away from the palace. And he gets out to this place and it's in a place of desolation. Jake, what in the world does that have to do with me? You're preaching from the Old Testament. Let me tell you something. God wants to reach you today. And he's asking where you're at. You may feel like you're in a place of desolation. You're in a place of isolation. But how many of you know we still serve a God that wants to get to you, that you can't be too far, you're never far away, too far away for him to get to you? I'm so thankful for him. Maybe you're at a place and maybe it wasn't that first drink, the second drink, or the third one, but it was down the line and now you're at a place of you didn't end up, you didn't want to be there you didn't want to end up in this place and now all you can have all you want to have is that bottle maybe it was this one and that one and then the next one got you and now you're at a place so far away that you feel so isolated and wrapped up in sin that you don't know where you're at because that's what the enemy wants to do he wants to get you to a place of isolation and desolation Maybe you're there at a place in your mind, and one thing that I know is I've seen my mom struggle with it. But thank God she's been delivered. But depression, 
It's something that wants to take you to a place where you can't feel anything. It wants to take you to a place of isolation and desolation where the enemy says, you, I've got you. No one cares about you. You see, that's where Mephibosheth was at. He was lame in his feet. Nobody wanted him. Nobody cared for him. But I came today to tell you that there's hope. Maybe you're that person today that is sitting there and you're saying, I don't really know why I came to church today. I thought I'd give it one more chance. Maybe you're that person that you didn't sleep a wink last night because your anxiety was running and racing in your mind. Thinking, man, am I ever going to make it out of this? Am I always going to be stuck in this place? And I think about Mephibosheth and I think about how he must have said and thought. Maybe he said in his room, from time to time, maybe looking out a window and Man, it shouldn't have turned out like this. I was an heir to the king. I didn't get the right cards. I didn't get the right hand. What the enemy wants you to do is to keep going down that road. There's no hope. There's no hope. There's nothing you can do now. You're in a place of desolation, and as he got there, there was someone who wanted to show him kindness. Verse 6. Actually, let me go back to verse 5. Verse 5 says, Then King David sent and brought him out of the house of Makar and the son of Emil from Lodabar. And the third point today I want you to write down, and I want you to make this personal, is the king is calling my name. The king is calling my name. You may feel like you're in that place of desolation. You're in Lodabar. You've been out here. You're wondering if anybody ever cares. But I want you to imagine this being Mephibosheth and then him hearing a knock at the door. And the nurse answering the door and asking, is this the home of Mephibosheth? We're of the king's court. And maybe at that point he thought, okay, it's finally time. It's my time. They're going to take my life. And he didn't know why at that point he'd been summoned by the king, but the king called his name. And I want you to know today that no matter where you're at, no matter how far you've been, the king still cares for you, and he's calling your name. He's not calling you by your infirmity. He's not calling you by what the world calls you. He's calling you by your name. And he's saying, rise up. Come to my palace. Come to my place. I've got a seat for you. Verse 6 says, Now when Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, had come to David, he fell on his face, prostrated himself, and then, then David said, Mephibosheth. You see, he called him by his name, and that is so important. Because so often we think that God is just somebody who's sitting up there with a big whip, who doesn't care about you, who doesn't worry about you. But he's up there and he's calling your name today. And as the king, David, called his name, he answered and said, here is your servant. <laughs> so David said to him, do not fear, for I will surely show you kindness for Jonathan, your father's sake. And restore to you all the land of Saul, your grandfather, and you shall eat bread at my table continually. Man, 
How awesome is that? The enemy is so good at getting us to that place of desolation, but the king is so good at getting us back to that place of restoring to you the joy that the enemy has taken, restoring to you the things that the world has told you that you'll never get back, that you've got depression, that you're this, that you're that, but God is calling you by your name today, and he's saying, rise up, I'm ready to take you out of that place and bring you into my courts. And you see, the thing was, as he got to his feet, Mephibosheth thought, oh my goodness, just have mercy on me. I don't want to die. He said, listen, that's not what this is about. This is about restoring you. And this is about getting you to a place of grace. This is about getting you to a place of mercy. And I'm so thankful that God in my darkest hour came to me and said, listen, I'm calling your name, Jake Clemens. I want you to rise up out of that mess that you're in, and i got a place for you at my table. I don't care what the world has told you. I've got a place for you. I'm so thankful for that. And verse 8 says, and then he bowed himself up and said, what is this, your servant, that, I, that you should look upon such a dead dog as I? And the thing about Mephibosheth here is he could not understand the king's grace. And so often we get to this place with God and we say, God, how could you look at me? I'm such a sinner. I'm I'm a mess and I'm a wreck. And that is definitely a place to be because that's where grace shows you how big it is. Because he gets to this place and verse 9 says, And the king called to Ziba, Saul's servant, and said to him, I have given your master's son all that belonged to Saul and all of his house. You, therefore, and your sons and your servants shall work the land for him. You shall bring in the harvest that your master's son may have food to eat. But Mephibosheth, your master's son, shall eat bread at my table always. And I've got these seats up here today because I don't know where you're at. And I don't know where you've been. Maybe you come in lame. Maybe you came in and you're addicted to drugs. Maybe you're addicted to pornography. Maybe you're addicted to this or to that. But I can tell you today that we serve a risen king that wants to set you free today. He's not looking at your lameness. He's not looking at what the world has bound you or called you by or what the enemy has bound you by. He's looking at his grace upon you and where he wants to see you is seated at his table. You know, the thing about the table is I thought about this. If he was chef, was lame in his feet, if he was, he had to be packed everywhere. He was helpless. And that really preached to me this week as we have a two-week-old at home. I thought, man, she's helpless without us. We have to feed her. We have to change her diaper. We have to lift her up and pack her around everywhere. And that's probably what happened to Mephibosheth is he was someone that had been carried his whole life. As I started thinking about this, I thought about him sitting at the king's table. And the thing about a table is you can't see. You all can see my feet now, but if we were surrounded, you wouldn't be able to see my feet. You wouldn't be able to see the infirmity that marked me. And the thing that is so special about God and His grace is that when you're seated at His table, your infirmity doesn't matter anymore. What the world has called you by doesn't matter anymore. He's right here, and He wants to take that from you. 
And maybe you're here today and you're saying, Jake, that's great. I don't have anything big. I don't have anything maybe that's marked me like that. But maybe it's your pride. Maybe it's jealousy. Maybe it's envy or something like that that has you bound. And you don't even realize it. But God is still calling your name. And he's saying, I got a seat for you at my table. See, the thing that's awesome is he didn't deserve that seat. There's none of us in here that deserve heaven. Ephesians 2.8 says, For it is by grace we have been saved through faith, not of ourselves. It's a gift from God so that no man can boast. You see, the only thing that I'm standing on today is his grace. You see, I'm thankful today that he gave an invite to me to his table. And as I thought this morning, I thought, God, I'm so thankful you call my name and you said, Jake, calling your name. You can eat bread at my table continually. But the problem is, is that sometimes when I look at that bread, I, for some reason I want the bread of the world. I look to the world to feed me rather than to God and start looking away from the king's table. And I start looking away at things that would fulfill me in the world's eyes, things that maybe make, would make me feel better or feel more prominent. Maybe it's more money. Maybe it's a better job. Maybe it's this. Maybe it's that. You can fill in the blank there. But so often we take our eyes off of the table. And usually in the past when I preached this, I stopped right there. But as you continue to read on, if you go with me, 2 Samuel chapter 16. And if you're taking notes, you can write this down. Number four, build his kingdom and not my kingdom. Verse 3 says, the king said, and where is your master's son? And Ziba said to the king, indeed, he is staying in Jerusalem. For he said, today the house of Israel restore, will restore the kingdom of my father to me. You think, Jake, what does that have to do? Ziba was his assistant or a servant, Mephibosheth's servant. And the thing that is so important here is that Mephibosheth, David had given him a seat at the table. And he said, listen, you can, you can eat here at my table continually. He had restored to him some land. And rather than saying, thank you, Lord, and being grateful, what did he start to do? He started thinking, man, I can take that land, and I can build my kingdom, and I can restore my family to prominence. Wow. How often do we do the same thing? I was so convicted because God has been so good to me, and he's blessed me. He's blessed every one of us in this room but how often do we look at our things and we think about, man, if I can just build my kingdom here on earth, rather than if I can just get one more soul to him, if I can just tell one more person about Jesus and build his kingdom. There's so many other things that we could be doing today, but one of the most important things that we should be doing is sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I'm so thankful for that. And if you'll turn with me to Matthew chapter 22.
Matthew chapter 22. I still might be a little bit longer, but Jenny and uh, praise team, if y'all could come on up. You see, this world has kind of tricked us into thinking that it's all about building our own kingdoms here. It's all about building our name. It's all about building riches. It's all about building houses and things that in the end aren't even going to matter. But it's so different from the way that God wants us to view things. He doesn't want us to get to a place where we think, man, if I can just build a little more, if I can just reach a little higher, if I can just have a better job and have this and have that, I can tell you that you'll chase that for the rest of your life and you'll feel empty still. You'll get to a place where you still feel empty and not fulfilled. Right now, maybe some of your minds are already on Christmas and you're thinking, man, I missed that Black Friday deal or I got Cyber Monday deals coming up. And our minds during this time are so off track. So off track when we should really be focusing on what December 25th actually is. Now if you want to get technical, it might not actually have been the day that Jesus was born. That's the day we're celebrating it. But I want you to think about this. How many of you have thought more about that present that you're going to get somebody rather than Jesus? Rather than sharing the gospel with somebody. And we're all guilty. How many of you this week have, have looked at maybe friends and families Thanksgiving posts on Facebook. Thought man that's great. Looks like their family's so great. But mine is so broken. Mine is so worn out. I, I don't know if we'll make it even to next year. The thing is is that God wants to restore to you, all that the enemy has taken. Jenny, if you don't care to play. My heart was, I guess you'd say tender. I, I somewhat like my dad. I feel like each year as I get older, and sitting around our table, I thought, man, I'm so thankful that everyone that was around this table last year is here this year. That's a blessing. There's some of you in this room that might not be able to say that. You see, the most important thing is life is so fast. And over the past year, we've seen, or two years now, we've seen that life can be taken so quick that people can be doing fine one day and then they're in the hospital on a ventilator the next day. We're praying that they make it. But somehow we have our minds on what we're going to get somebody for Christmas. And not about sharing the gospel. And as I was holding our sweet baby girl, I, I thought, man, God, if there's one thing that I want her to know, it's that her daddy loves Jesus, and he loved to tell people about him. Not dad had the nicest truck. Dad had the coolest this or coolest that. But dad loved Jesus. He loved to tell people about him. Maybe one thing she could say is that he told people that there's a seat for you at the table. Despite what the world has told you, there's a seat for you at the table. I don't know where you're at today, but I know that there's a seat at the table for you. 
So you see that story in 2 Samuel reminded me of the parable of the wedding feast, and this is Jesus speaking in verse 1 says, And Jesus answered and spoke to them again by parables and said, The kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who arranged a marriage for his son and sent out his servants to call those who were invited to the wedding, and they were not willing to come. Again, he sent out other servants. Tell those who are invited, see, I have prepared dinner. My oxen and fatted cattle are killed, and all things are ready. Come to the wedding. But they made light of it and went their ways, one to his own farm, another to his business. And the rest seized his servants, treated them spitefully, and killed them. But when the king heard about it, he was furious and sent out his armies and destroyed those murderers and burned up their city. And he said to the servants, the wedding is ready, but those who were invited were not worthy. Therefore, go into the highways, and as many as you find, invite to the wedding. So those servants went out into the highways and gathered together all whom they found, both bad and good. And the wedding hall was filled with guests. And I want to stop right there for a minute and give you some context. Jesus here was actually... Speaking of his own people, the Jews here who he had come to and they had disregarded him and didn't count him as the Messiah. But I want you to think today about how many people have refused the king. How many people are refusing Jesus and choosing other things? Said one went away to his farm, one went away to his business. And it's such a time where our minds can be so far away from God. I want to ask you today, are you focused on him? Because what was he asking them to do? I want you to invite everybody you can. I want you to invite the good, the bad. I want you to invite those that are drunk, those that are high. I want you to invite the prostitutes, those who had an abortion. I want you to invite everybody you can. Because my grace is enough to save them. There's a seat for them at my table. And maybe you're here today and you're one of those things. Can I tell you that God's grace is enough? Maybe you walked into a church building before and felt condemnation, but the Word tells us that there is no condemnation in Christ Jesus. John 3, 17 says, For I did not come into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through me might be saved. God's here today, and He loves you, and He cares for you. More than anything that this world has to offer, He's offering you a seat at the table. He doesn't care where you've been. He doesn't care what you've done. He's got a seat for you at his table. And for the rest of us today, you're sitting here and you're thinking, man, I made it to the table. I accepted that invite. Maybe you've been saved, but have you shared the gospel with anybody? Have you invited them to that marriage supper with Jesus if you got to a place where you can say most assuredly that the gospel is the most important thing in my life, are you still having trouble choosing other things rather than him? Man, how guilty we can be. I'm so thankful today for his grace. I'm so thankful today that it's not by anything that I've done or anything that you'll ever do. There's a seat for you at that table. There's a seat for you next to the king. 
He loves you and he cares for you. And just as David restored to Mephibosheth all those things, God wants to restore to you what's been taken from you. And I ask you today, what is that? Is it your joy? Is it this or that? Maybe the enemy has crept in and took something from you. God wants to restore that to you today. So I finish out this parable here. Verse 11 says, But when the king came in to see the guest, he saw a man there who didn't have on a wedding garment. So he said to him, Friend, how did you come in here without a wedding garment? And he was speechless. The king said to his servants, Bind him hand and foot, take him away, and cast him into outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Verse 14 says, For many are called, but few are chosen. You think, Jake, what does that have to do? That sounds a little abrupt. The thing that Jesus is doing here is a foretelling of what's to come. And most importantly, you have to be ready. You have to shed that garment of sin and put on what he has for you. Put on that cloak of grace and mercy that says, it's nothing that I've done to be here, but it's all about you. And maybe you're here today and you could have sat through church for years, but you've never fully given your life to Jesus. Maybe you're sitting here today and you're thinking, man, I don't know if I've ever given my life fully to him. That's on you and that's on him. The last thing that I would want is for you to get to heaven and Jesus to say, I'm sorry. Depart from me. I never knew you. Today, what he has is free. This year, we'll spend countless dollars on all these things of the world, but seat at the table is free to you, but it cost him everything. It cost him his son, Jesus. As you look at that old cross, it might not mean a lot to some people, but man, it means everything to me. Because it's what Jesus did on that cross that gives me a surety when I lay my head down at night that everything's going to be okay. If I don't wake up, I want to take my first breath in heaven. And I want that to be the same for you. I don't know where you're at today. Maybe you're in a place of low to bar. You're in a place of desolation, and you feel like you're never going to get out. Maybe somebody dropped you. Maybe you're at a place and you think, Jake, I never should have been here. My life shouldn't have turned out like this. There's a Savior that loves you. And there's a King that is calling your name. He's calling your name today. And if there's one thing that I want you to do is to quiet what the world is saying and listen to the King calling your name. He's not calling you by your sin. He's calling you by your name. I remember the day that he called my name and I gave my life to him. Man, I'm so thankful. Something so special about that. Maybe you're here today and you're guilty of building your own kingdom and not his. Let's get to that place where the most important thing in our life is telling other people about Jesus. 
Because there's a world out there that is hurting. There's a world out there that's broken, and they need Jesus. They don't need a light show. They don't need fog machines. What they need is the gospel of Jesus Christ that says, I will come to wherever you're at. I will go wherever I need to go, but I'm coming to get you. I don't care where you've been. I don't care what the world has marched you by. My grace is enough. And I think today, God, if I stood here and there was only one person that got to you today, it would be worth it. There's only one person today, maybe that their life will be changed. It will be worth it. Because that means more to me than any, anything this world has to offer. Seeing one more get to it. One more get to that place. Finding God's grace. Would you stand with me this morning? you bow your heads with me today. I don't know what's on your mind today. I don't know if it's about what's coming after this or what, but maybe just take a minute. Just take a minute. Can you hear Jesus? Can you hear God calling your name today out of that darkness? I imagine such a crowded room. I imagine a big guy standing all the way across the room and just saying my name. Come to me. He's calling your name today. Matthew eleven twenty eight says, Come to me all who are weary and heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. Maybe you sought all the things of this world to give you rest and Nothing's working. I tell you that this King of kings and Lord of lords can give you a rest that no one else can. Maybe you're here today and you can say, you know what, Jake? I'm away from the Lord today. I feel like I'm in a place of desolation and isolation. I'm in Lodabar. I need the King today. If that's you, just lift your hand. I just want to pray for you. Maybe you're here today and you can say, you know what, Jake? I've lost focus. I've started building my kingdom and not God's kingdom. And I want to get to back to that place of just sharing the gospel with people. If that's you today, just lift your hand. Thank you. Maybe you're here today and you've been defined by your addiction, by what has happened to you in the past. God's not calling you by that today, he's calling you by name. And today, this altar's open. And for those of you that would, I pray that you would join with me at this altar and let's pray that God would put a heart inside of us to reach others for him. That just as this marriage feast, that we would go out into the highways and the hedges and share the gospel with people. If you need Jesus today, you've never given your life to him. He gave his life for you. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. Whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. 
He's calling your name today. Hey, everybody, just wanted to thank you once again for being with us here in our worship service today and taking the time out, which I know is so valuable to you. God bless you and be encouraged. And remember, Jesus is King.